Hello, and welcome to The Fast and the Fictitious. This podcast series is produced and recorded by high school juniors and seniors producing a college literature credit from Sewella Technical Community College in Lake Charles, Louisiana, during the fall 2023 semester. The course itself is live-streamed five days a week to seven different area high schools as one of Calcasieu Parish School Board's Virtual Instruction Program Dual Enrollment Courses. The idea behind this podcast is for students to have a discussion about big ideas or big issues. Each episode has an anchor text, a short story from a variety of authors, ranging from Ernest Hemingway to Kate Chopin to David Foster Wallace and everyone in between. Using the short story as a guide, each pair of students touch on a variety of topics. Sometimes they do a little critical analysis of the assigned text. Often they talk about larger social or personal issues. In each case, the discussion is open and honest. The hope is that these students will have thought deeply about the issues and topics and that the current and future listeners, whether students or not, will gain some insight into the anchor text as well as do a little self-examination of their own lives, thoughts, and feelings. In this episode, high school seniors Bryce and Jordan discuss Charlotte Perkins Gilman's iconic short story, The Yellow Wallpaper, and talk about topics such as gaslighting, the negativity of the internet, how a person's internal struggles might not be manifested outwardly, how people often create a false reality to hide from what's really going on, why people don't ask for help when they need it, a person's struggle being perceived as weakness, writing as an outlet, the value of face-to-face communication, the fear of failure, how we are often too concerned with what others think of us, setting achievable goals, how, like the main character in the story, we all have walls that we must push through to become our best selves and end with a powerful appeal to us all to remember that we are never alone. We hope you enjoy. All righty. How are you doing today, Bryce? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right myself, and I'm hoping that everybody listening to this is doing all right themselves. Um, so first things first, uh, I do have a question that I want to ask you. Um, so in this short story, The Yellow Wallpaper, um, I do notice that, especially in the beginning, um, they talk about the house that they are moving into. Uh, you know, it's a it's a very old story, so it's kind of a hard read, but uh, you do see that this new house is mentioned a lot, as well as this husband. Um, I do want to ask you: Do you think that um, maybe the narrator seems a little obsessed, or you know, a little crazy about? Um, moving into this house or this whole situation and her sickness with her husband. Yeah, it really, it does seem like that. Like the author states that the, there's all, there's a feeling of quote, something queer about the house and the situation. So I feel like, like the whole, the whole thing with the house and her mental mindset, it just doesn't really add up. Like, something was off from the beginning with them moving into the house. And I, I did notice that, like, in one of the – I think it was on the very first page, um, on, like, the right side, because the, the page is split, like, down the middle. You read the left side, then the right side. 
Yeah. Uh, she talked about her husband being a physician, like a doctor, and how she feels sick, and maybe that's why she's not getting better. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about, like, is she crazy, or, or is this situation kind of crazy? Because I don't feel as though someone who's crazy or sick would be like, yeah, my husband's a doctor, that's why I'm not getting any better. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's just, like, I don't know. It's just strange. If your husband's a doctor and you're crazy, I don't know. You would, like, I feel like she would look to him to help. But if he can't help, she's not going to go see actual help. Because if she married him and he's a doctor, if she probably assumes that he's the best of the best. And so if he can't help her, I feel like she wouldn't go to further help to try to get some help. So she just got worse and worse, in my opinion. Yeah, and the whole the whole time, like, with the way the husband treats her, you wouldn't think that he's a doctor because he kind of just writes her off. And he kind of gaslights her, I want to say, almost, into being like, hey, you're fine. Don't worry about it. There's nothing wrong with you. And I feel like that is something that we see a lot in today's society i feel like there's a lot of people may feel like there's something wrong with them like genuinely but everybody especially with the internet being as negative as it is there's a lot of people who are like no you're fine you're fine and there's a lot of issues especially lately with gaslighting i don't know if you understand what i'm talking about but uh, a lot of big problems that people are having socially is, you know, gaslighting this, gaslighting that. And I've noticed that a lot, especially in this story. But uh, in real life, I think that's something that we see every day. And I feel like it's become a norm that we shouldn't be accustomed to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like people, there's some people that they act like they're fine, but like inside their head, they're like, fighting a battle with themselves and because they seem so fine like outside they put a smile on their face go to school every day everything's normal everyone says they're fine but they're struggling with themselves inside they go home stare at their roof all night can't go to sleep and they don't get help because everyone convinces them they're fine but they're really not and they they need that help that could probably fix them and i feel like that's something that everybody should with every now and then you know uh at least once in your life i feel like everybody will have that moment where they're like man i i feel like something's wrong i can't fix it is there something wrong with me but everyone's telling them no you're fine don't worry about it there's nothing wrong with you and that can i feel like that creates a false reality and when people, especially those who have a low self-confidence or low self-awareness and who, whenever they hear, don't worry about it, they're just like, oh, so there must be nothing wrong with me. I, I do feel like that is a big problem. And I, I feel like we see it every day, but it just gets looked over. You know, there's a bunch of people who have issues and who are struggling, but they don't even want to speak about it. I, I know I've been at different points in my life where I've been struggling and 
I've always read if there was something up with me, if there was something I needed to fix with me, am I a problem? And I would just get, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. But there have been problems with me. And I've everybody's had problems. Everybody works to get over them. But I feel like in this story, nobody is helping the narrator get over her problems. It's almost like in the real world, people with our society being, I guess you can say, as ruthless as it is, like people are almost embarrassed to say how they actually feel. Because if you say if you say you're struggling through something, you're considered to be weak. And like it's almost like if you're not happy all the time that people won't always be there for you. Like if you you can act happy, but you're not no one's ever always happy. And if you try to reach out to someone and say that you're struggling and they just like say you're fine, sometimes it just pushes you down more. And like in the story, the narrator's clearly struggling with something mentally and her husband just like throws it off like it's no big deal. Yeah, and, and I agree. And especially at the point in time that this story was written, you know, I, I feel as though there was no way for anyone to genuinely like worry. You know, it, it wasn't something that they didn't have, you know, um, anxiety pills or, or antidepressants. It, it was kind of just, hey, suck it up, buttercup. And even in today's society, like you said, people are scared of being ridiculed or, or being shunned for the way that they feel about themselves and about society. But I do believe that, uh, like I said, especially in this story, this woman is obviously on some kind of downward spiral. And I feel like it gets worse and worse and worse. And I really feel that whenever she starts to talk about the nursery room this wallpaper that is a weird orangish yellow and has these weird patterns. And so, so now what I want to ask you though, is I feel like anytime that the wallpaper is kind of brought up, I feel like the narrator gets a little bit crazier, you know, a little bit worse in her problems that nobody's trying to help her with. Uh, do you, do you kind of get that same feeling? Yeah, a little bit. There's nothing, in my opinion, the wallpaper call caused nothing, no positives. It was straight. It's only negatives with her seeing everything, and this doesn't really have to correlate with the wallpaper itself. But I feel like part of her mental craziness is because of in that time, husbands pretty much own their wives. Like what, whatever the if the husband says you're fine, then you're fine. Like you can't do anything. You. Women didn't really have the voice to speak up and say how they really feel about things in that time. Yeah, and I mean, the the whole story is essentially our narrator um, trying to have an outlet, you know, some way to get away, get out of her own mind, um, because she does state uh, it's on the second page. She said, um, I'm trying to find it. I apologize for this. Uh, she does talk about, I did write for a while in spite of them talking about, um, you know, 
her writing as an outlet, even though people were like, hey, you're fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. But she used that writing as, I feel like in this sense, the narrator writing is a cry for help. Even though this story isn't necessarily real and it's like a real person, uh, I think this is something that happens often. People don't have an outlet and writing is a good outlet, but has there ever been a time where you were in a tough spot and you needed some way to let it go, maybe through sports or, or talking to someone, but you just didn't have an outlet? Yeah, I, f- I feel like that, but like writing is a good outlet sometimes. For me personally, I'd rather go outside and do anything outside rather than be trapped inside writing. But if you're trying to express your feelings and just let it out, it could be something positive. But I'd rather, when it comes to explaining my feelings, I'd rather have someone to talk to. Yeah, and I I do agree with that. I think that people finding um, somebody to confide in. You know, it, it doesn't have to be somebody that you, you love with all your heart. It, it could be your pastor in a confession booth. It could be somebody you meet at a bus stop. You know, these these things happen. But I, I feel like sometimes the best way to let go of something you're holding on to or something that's hurting you and you have to talk about it. That, in my opinion, talking is one of the best remedies uh, for any kind of mental illness. Uh, that's the first stage of getting long-lasting help. Like, I know it's be- people, when someone brings up, like, having a counselor, everyone thinks of it as negative. But in my opinion, everyone could use a counselor, like, for in their life. Just to go, like, day by day, if something comes up. Like, I feel like everyone could use that. That's just my opinion. yeah. It doesn't even have to be like uh, an official therapist who who gets paid for this. They're professional. It, it could just be your mom. It, it could be your sibling. You know, it, it could be a friend that you have online. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you right there. I think that talk will be able to help people find some way to release any buildup that, that may be slowing them down, such as – Um, you know, the narrator, she talks about how her condition is, is she feels like it's so bad, but her husband tells her, hey, you're fine. Don't think about it. If you think about it, it'll get worse. That's, that's not what this narrator needs. So she has to resort to writing, but with that husband just putting her down and, and being like, hey, don't even think about it because if you do it's fake and it'll get even worse and and now you're just getting bothered by this fake illness uh, I also feel like that is something that we see a lot in society people uh, want to want to have something wrong with them and I feel like there's no genuine way for people to realize that it's not okay to hurt you know like people feel like it's okay to be hurt mentally uh i don't you know especially like what you said uh having someone to talk to uh insanely helpful 
And I feel like that's what a lot of people don't have these days. People don't have someone they can rely on. Some people, some people do have that person, but I feel like texting really does not do any, like someone can send me a message and from texting, you have no idea what the tone is. Like someone could say something like so nice, so compassionate, and you take it a whole nother way. I feel like people need to do more, like, even if it's just calling on the phone, like more face to face, to face, voice to voice conversations with their problems instead of doing it over the screen. Because you really can truly never tell someone's tone with something. And it's way easier to talk and understand how someone's talking if it's voice to voice and not just over the keyboard. That That's 100% on the money, in my opinion. Uh, because I, I do sometimes feel as though whenever I'm texting people or they're texting me, I feel like sometimes they interpret the things I say the wrong way because I can't. I can't use a certain tone whenever I text, you know, like if I were to text you, hey, you better watch yourself. Uh, you don't know what that means. I could I could. Yeah, I like, wouldn't hey. know if you're trying to fight me or if you're looking out for me. Yeah, exactly. Now, speaking person to person, if I say, hey, you need to watch yourself. I'm not saying that as in I want to hurt you. I want to I want to fight you. I'm saying that like, hey, you need to look after yourself. But you can't tell that unless I'm talking to you, unless you hear me. Now, I did notice that in the story, um, they they bring a couple more characters. Uh, like the narrator does talk about John's sister. Um, what do you? What do you think that John's sister? What what, did, what do you think she does? In I guess, how do you think she affects the narrator's uh, mental ill mental illness? You know, her her sickness. How do you think that John and John's sister affects that? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. I she like she doesn't do anything. She's kind of just there, honestly. Like, she doesn't do anything to, like, drastically change it. I feel like she was – the narrator was going down pretty much either way. But she was – she correct me if I'm wrong, but she was, like, the kind of like the housekeeper, right? I, I believe so. Like, I don't know. The narrator had feelings of guilt pretty much the whole time. Like, it was her fault. And that she couldn't get better, and I think I think her name was Jenny. She she kind of deep in her mind, Jenny. She kind of had a little bit of care, like she thought in the back of her mind that maybe something actually is wrong with her. That's just my opinion on her, his sister. Yeah, and the narrator talks like whenever she does talk about John's sister. Like, um, they quote, um, there comes John's sister, such a dear girl as she is, so careful of me, I must not let her find me writing. Um, I don't know why John's sister would have an issue with her writing. Maybe because John doesn't find it acceptable. And 
like you said, she's kind of just there. And even though she's just there, she doesn't necessarily have a direct impact on this illness that the narrator has. I feel like that is something that happens often. Uh, it's it's happened to me before, and I've and I've been the person who's just there, uh, and people are like, "Oh my God, is is I can't, you know, like sometimes people get in situations and they're around other people and they're like, "Oh my gosh, these people are gonna hate me if they find out I'm doing this or that, or if if I say this, if I say that, then will these people not like me?" are so caught up and worried about you know how is what i'm doing going to affect this person that person and sometimes i feel as though we should disregard that feeling we should disregard that thought a lot of times like you can meet someone for the first time and the first words out of your mouth out of their mouth like the first thing they say to you can y'all can end up becoming friends but that first thing that they say can have like, like y'all can be friends for years and you'll still, that'll be your, that'll be how you feel about them. Like they can be like the nicest person, but that they start off y'all's first conversation rude. That's going to stick with you and that'll like impact your feelings on them. And the world is so judgmental these days that like you can, if you're like, you went to Boy State, I'm sure it wasn't, it wasn't easy just fitting in. Like, do you feel like if you said the one wrong thing to begin with that you wouldn't have made the connections you had? I mean, yeah, quite frankly, first impressions are a lasting effect. Um, I can remember the first interaction I had with a lot of people at Boyd State. Uh, it wasn't, they kind of just threw you in there. You know, it, it wasn't like, uh, hey, everybody, this is, Jordan, Jordan, this is everybody. I had to go in there and talk to people and, and be myself. And if these people liked who I was, then that was good for me. And that's, that's a big issue that people have. They're worried about, do I say the wrong thing? What, you know, me, I never worried about that. I just went in there and I was myself and I was like, hey, I'm gonna be here for seven days. Why not try to make some friends? Why not try to be a friendly face? And so I tried to make a lasting impression, you know, always smiling, trying to crack conversations, crack jokes. I never really thought about, well, if I say this, will it upset this person or that person? Because on a meeting of that magnitude, there were over 200 kids from all across Louisiana there, 200 from 5A schools to schools that aren't even 1A. These kids come from across the whole state. Do you think that they're really gonna care what I think? And I think that is a problem that we have with people trying to differentiate fiction from reality. You know, like, is it realistic for you to say one word and somebody be like, oh no, I don't, I don't wanna be around this person ever people get so people are scared to mess up like for example i i could go lay down in the streets in new york city and everyone that passes by me will forget about it within five minutes like genuinely no one actually cares that much about what you do 
Like, I could, I could jump off a bridge. People will talk about it for a week, but after the week, it's gone. Like, pe- like people worry too much about what other people will think instead of just living their life and doing what they want to do. Yeah, people are so worried about, well, what what does everyone else think? And people don't worry about themselves enough, is what I feel like. Which is kind of ironic, considering how, as we as we talked about earlier, a lot of people want to believe that there's something wrong with them sometimes, or if they do have something wrong with them, they disregard it. You know, people don't realize just how much, and in, in just one day, people subconsciously worry about their own well-being and how they are going to be affected by the outcome of another situation. Like if you and I are in class and one of our classmates says something quite rude to one of us, like if, if somebody says something quite rude to me, I may take that as, oh, that, that really hurt. Uh, am, I, am I really like this? You may take that as, huh, that, that was kind of funny. Or you may disregard it completely. That is what people don't think about. They, they just think about what, what am I feeling from this? They're like, what does everybody else feel when I say this? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, some, if someone said something, shouted across the room at me, either I'm going to take it and, like, bottle up and get in a ball and not say anything, or I'm going to immediately fire back and just get into an argument with them. Because if someone cares so much about other people and not about themselves, that's the only reason that people talk bad about people. If... If someone, I feel like if you care enough about yourself, you won't even realize half the things other people do. Yeah, and I mean, if, like like I said earlier, um, fiction versus reality. You know, people don't understand, like, realistic expectations uh, that they should set themselves to. You know, people sit here and think that if they say one wrong word or do one wrong move, then it's over for them. You know, they're they're done. They can't talk to this person. Everybody hates them. When in reality, it doesn't take much to just have a conversation with someone or, or to just talk to them. Because we haven't been friends all our lives. You know, we've known each other for quite a long time, but... I wouldn't say until high school we actually became friends. You know, I you never really could have done anything that I'd have been like, oh, I don't like Bryce. It, it's unrealistic. Something, like you said earlier, you could lay in the streets of New York, people walk by you there, forget you, you were there in five minutes. Realistically, nobody's going to just keep on thinking about something you did that, that you believe is really wrong and really messed up. Uh, our expectations should be set higher for ourselves, you know? Like you said, you, just, you need to have expectations for yourself, but they need to be realistic. You can't – they need to be realistic expectations. You can't go to the gym for a week and become a bodybuilder. Like, it's just not going to happen. There's no possible way. You need to set realistic goals for yourself, set out a plan day by day about what you want to do to achieve the life you ultimately want. We only live once. Like, if something hurts you, just move on. Like, 
if you just sit and dwell and sit in your room about worrying about a girl not texting you or whatever, like in the reality, it doesn't matter. You just need to move on with your life and focus on the goals you have for yourself instead of what someone else thinks about you. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes people can get lost in that false reality, that that fictional place that they live their world in, because I feel like we all do it. You know, we all plan different things that could happen in a day, so we're ready for anything. It's a natural expectation. That's another one of those subconscious efforts to maintain ourselves that I was talking about earlier. But in the story, you know, there's this lady that's in the wallpaper, this crazy wallpaper. Uh, I feel like this is that woman getting lost in that fictional world. You know, she doesn't know what to distinguish from reality. And once again, drawing back to the, the whole support thing, I think that's also because nobody helped her. Uh, I think the story really talks about and, and really shows how deep someone can fall if they don't have any help. I don't know if you agree, but reading the story, I don't think there was actually anyone in the wallpaper. It's just her mind playing. She's trapped in her own mind, so she can't help but imagine things that are not really there. And when someone... It's never happened to me, but I've heard that if someone gets so wrapped up in their mind without speaking out to anyone, that you can actually start seeing things. And so I don't feel like it's the story is that when it comes to fiction, I don't feel like it's that far out there. And it's not that drastic of what the real world could be like. Well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I didn't, I didn't mean it as, like, it's totally unrealistic. I meant it as in, like, this woman, the narrator, is getting lost in that fictional world. You get what I'm saying? Like, she is so far deep into her own mind and her own illness that she can't distinguish from reality sometimes. You know, and that's – I've never personally had an issue with that. I've never been so caught up in my own mind that I've started to get lost in fiction. I've, I feel as though most people um, in the world are good at keeping themselves touched down in reality, but sometimes people can lose themselves. But once you lose yourself, there's there's always something that you can like. You're never completely lost. Like there's some. I've heard stories about crazy people that that get help and come back and have a good marriage and have a family. There's all like, there's no reason for anyone to ever lose hope. And I feel like there is always hope. You know, people don't see it in their tough situations, but I feel like there's always, there's always something for people to aspire for, for people to reach for. And, People always have to set goals for themselves, whether it's just to to talk to someone today or, or to make their bed. People need goals. People need something that they can push themselves to accomplish and that they can hope to reach. Going to the end of the story, what, what do you think about when the Arthur 
says that the narrator herself actually comes out of the wallpaper. What do you feel about that? I I feel like that's a a sort of you, you feel like like I said and like you said uh this this woman was was ill and she may have been hallucinating and you know there's there's a woman in the wallpaper and now the woman coming out of the wallpaper was the the woman who was writing uh, I feel like that's symbolic you know breaking like out of a shell that may have been containing her maybe that's her getting better you know reaching for that hope you know aspiring to get over this illness and we haven't touched on this but i feel like the wallpaper being yellow like i don't look at it as as like yellow i look at it as like a like a olive like just like a bad looking color and so I think it symbolizes like all like there's a wall and you have to get through that that ugly wall whatever you're facing say it's we both play sports say we have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to workouts we don't want to but we have to get through that ugly wall because in order for us to go about our day for the rest of the day that's what we have to do first we can't go to school without going to workouts because coach is going to get on you for not going to workouts and going to school without an excuse. So personally, I feel like the wallpaper is like actually a wall that she can't, maybe it's with her not being able to communicate with her husband. Right. But I feel like it's just a block in her life that she just can't get past. I really like how you put that. Um, everybody has blocks, uh, whether, you know, artists have, have blocks, fast food workers have blocks, athletes have blocks. Every person has something that will block them at some point in time. And I, I do agree with you when you put it like that. Um, this wallpaper could be this big block that the narrator just is fighting to get past. It's almost as if she, like, sees the block so big and she's been fighting at it for so long that it's just kept – kept getting bigger and bigger like the wall just it's impossible to climb so now that she now that she's stuck inside the wall she feels like she can't get out and then finally she gets out and she she's so like messed up mentally and she's basically insane that when she gets out of the wallpaper and her husband comes in the room he just passes out yeah and I mean that that was a very very fantastic way to put it. Uh, I, I I can't disagree. I don't have any point to go against that. Uh, as a matter of fact, now that you put it like that, and I read it over again, I see it exactly like that. You know, the the battle was tough to get past the block. That's essentially how I feel as though the whole story boiled down. You know, she fought. She fought. She fought, but it was a very, very ugly battle. What do you think about the the last, the very end, where 
it says that she has to creep over her husband every time. How do you feel about that? Now, that confuses me because what does it mean by every time? Like, crawl over that man every time? Every time he comes in the room, he faints? Uh, I, I truly dead? don't know. Or, I, I think that's a cliffhanger. That is honestly one that I've got, I've got annoyed about. You know, something is just... The only thing I can think of is that almost as if she's been down for so long, she's been the one crawling. So now that he's on the ground, she can like crawl over him and finally get, finally her opinion matters. Like she can actually start taking advantage of him instead and crawling over him instead of him crawling over her and taking advantage of her. That's the only way I can see it making sense. Besides that, I, I really don't understand the ending. And that's that's a very wonderful point to make, and I think that's an even more wonderful point to end off on. Um, I, I feel like we had a fantastic discussion, and I hope that anybody who had the opportunity to listen in on this discussion managed to grab some points that we talked about, and you know maybe they have a better understanding of how people should feel about themselves, and you know it it's okay to struggle. But I feel like when it boils down, everybody needs someone to talk to or, or a little bit of hope to hang on to. Yeah, for anyone watching, there's there's always someone out there that cares. There's never anyone that just completely – people may dislike you, but there's no one that actually hates you. No one, no one in this world cares enough to actually hate you, and if – you think there's something wrong with you going in your going on in your head? There's always someone you can reach out to. And and whether you physically don't have anybody near you, or, or you're you're not religious, so you, you can't look to uh, a god or or Jesus to be with you, you're never truly alone. And and I hope this is something that really sticks with anybody listening. This world is very, very big, so much bigger than you think about. There are so many people in this world with so many different opinions and so many different values. There is one person at the minimum in this world who will care about you and who will listen to you. They may not be around you right now, but every single one of you people listening have something to hold on to, someone to look forward to meeting. And basically to end it off, like if you you can look up online, there's videos. If you take where you are right now, like you and your house, and you zoom all the way out to the earth itself, it really puts into perspective how small we really are and how it really doesn't matter what the person next to you says, what they think. Most likely in most of us are seniors. We go to college next year, you may stay in touch with 10 people from your high school. You're not going to, you're truly, you're not going to keep those friends forever. Like college is when you make the most of your friends. So in the whole perspective of it, we're basically just a grain of sand in the universe that we live in today. But every single grain of sand is part of a beach. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. Everybody, everybody has something to hold on to, to be next to. 
And like you said, if you were to go on Google Maps and zoom out, this world is too big to be worried about what Jim Bob thinks or what John Doe uh, says to you. Uh, I think to, to a little care of ourselves and stick to reality, stick to hope, and stick to stick to each other. We should always stay with each other. I feel like that's a great way to end it off. And for anyone watching, just know you're you're never alone, no matter what. There's always somebody. I hope all of you listening had a very a very good listen. And I hope you enjoyed what you heard. Bryce, fantastic conversation. I'm so glad that you were able to sit here and talk with me. Um, I've got nothing else to say, nothing else to elaborate on. Uh, everybody listening, have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever time it is for you. And remember, there's always a little bit of hope that you can hang on to, a little piece that'll keep you moving forward somewhere in this world.